Jews and Bigfoot say. Giant furry cryptids tromping around our world, uncaptured, not discovered by scientists, maybe, maybe not. But how about the story of Portlock, Alaska, a whole town that allegedly up and moved after a killer Bigfoot's terrorizing murder spree? So creepy, right? Heck yeah, it is. Today, Shawnee and I explore Portlock and Bigfoot. And you can decide. So. So, tell me about Portlock, baby. Well, first let me tell you that a lot of things make me angry. They make Mama angry. And one of the biggest things that really ruffles my Bigfoot fur, Bigfoot feathers, is because I really, really believe in Bigfoot that... It, well, that well, Bigfoot might be out there. You had an encounter with Bigfoot, so you should mm, believe. Maybe. Um, but when people take a story and just accept it as fact, even when it's debunked, that ruffles my Bigfoot fur. I, 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 I agree with you there. Because you're not going to convert anybody who's a skeptic, if you even need to. Like, who needs to convert a skeptic? But you're not going to do that with something that they can debunk or find the opposite as Proof true. For, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So is this the case with Portlock, Alaska? We're going to see, but it sure as hell is a case of a lot of things on Facebook right now. So, is it, Oh, on Facebook. On Facebook. <laughs> Especially oh. now. I mean, tomorrow's election day and all, or yeah, whenever. Today. Actually, today will be election day, right? <laughs> when the podcast is out. I would really like to see Bigfoot go to the voting booth. Maybe we should do that. That'd be incredible, do you but think I, I am not doing that. Do you think and I you're could? you're not a big enough Bigfoot. To be, you'd be a juvenile Bigfoot. It's okay for a juvenile Bigfoot to start to voting. Vote. Okay. <laughs> I have two things to say first. Oh, Lord. Okay. I was thinking that a Bigfoot with feathers would really just be Big Bird. Oh, it would. <laughs> and Portlock. <laughs> Portlock, Alaska. Sounds like the name of a town in one of your revered Hallmark Christmas movies. It does. Portlock. She inherits a small inn in financial trouble in Portlock, Alaska. Will she be able to convince the executive sexy guy? Yeah. To to, to marry her for so she can have his money and and, and save, save the, the inn. inn. Or she's a corrupt corporate executive who's lost her heart now that she's moved away from Portlock, Alaska. She comes back and realizes. That the ho- the cannery she's supposed to be shutting down because it's not making enough money is really supporting all the people in the town. But then a sexy Bigfoot convinces her, yes, you want to stay here and give up your corporate life and your sweet, sweet money and make sweet, sweet love to me, Bigfoot, here in, Co- in Portlock, Alaska, and we'll keep that cannery open. Merry Christmas. So you just threw out the two main themes of Hallmark Christmas movies, but I never realized that Fully 50% of them are about gold digging bitches. No, they're not. Oh my God. No, they're not. Yeah, they are. No, that's your take. No, no, no. (laughs) And I mean that in the best of ways. I'm not trying to be offensive. The gold diggers are 
female dogs. But oh, nosies. That's kind of a true statement. Dude, neither <laughs> yeah. of us can ever run for political career or write a children's book after this podcast. It's a good thing they're all um, pretty. All right, anyways, let's get back to Bigfoot. It's a little safer, maybe. So there's a fascination, a huge fascination with Sasquatch or Bigfoot in North American culture. Huge! And because he's big. And tons of people... (laughs) And tons of people are taking the ancient X-Files tagline of the truth is out there to try to prove that Bigfoot exists. Really? Yes, because they had a lot more evidence on the X-Files than I've seen <laughs> from Bigfoot <laughs> Some Some people paint Bigfoot as a nefarious, savage killer. Some paint Bigfoot as just some sort of primate. Some say he's an alien. Some say he plays the saxophone, like sax squats. Sax squats? I can't say that That's word. That's horrible because saxophone is one of my favorite bucket list wish i could play instruments well maybe you'll get one for christmas i can be sex squatch you could definitely i mean i'm already sex squatch oh but i could be sex squatch as well (laughs) you only have to change one letter and suddenly we get an explicit rating anyway sometimes that need for people to get some cred means that they might start embellishing their story like the bigfoot hunter who said he captured bigfoot but he just made a pretend Bigfoot and went on tour with it and then was caught for having a fake Bigfoot dummy. And he was basically like, uh, yeah, I wasn't about to, yeah, you know, bring the real one around me. That's way too valuable. <laughs> you gotta love those lying liars who lie. But there becomes this compulsion in so many of us to make bigger and bigger and better and better stories as humans and also as writers and probably as podcasters and vloggers too, right? Yeah. Or influencers on Instagram or TikTok. And sometimes those stories take a life of their own. Heck yeah, they do. Yeah. Like, you know, my own Bigfoot story. Like, I'm like, how much of that is true? Or how much have I added on as I've grown up, you know? Because it happened when I was so little. Maybe it was the New Hampshire hermit that you saw. I don't think I'm so. just kidding. It was Bigfoot, baby. All right. So what the hell even is Bigfoot, right? That's the first question, right? Yes. You know, what the hell? What the hell? You Does know, nobody really knows. If Bigfoot's out there, what is he? Well, that's one of the core questions. And, you know, we have to think about this in, in terms of the story today of Portlock. And I just want to get that out first, right? So these OregonBigfoot.com people have a great little post about the different theories about Bigfoot or Sasquatch. The actual term, they say, was coined in 1958 when bulldozer operator Jerry Crew found and cast these really large tracks at Bluff Creek, California. And that was near where the Patterson and Gimlin film happened, where they video, Mm -hmm. well, it wasn't a video then, but they filmed a lady Sasquatch walking allegedly across the thing it's a very assume it was a lady maybe it was a guy that just didn't do much upper body workout (laughs) and had a little man boob (laughs) bigfoot man boob exercises so the story and the word bigfoot it goes and it hits the news and then you know people in the u.s have been calling it bigfoot ever since right right and Sasquatch is actually a Salish Indian term 
that means wild man. It's like kind of like tweaked a little bit. It's not perfect, but it's derived from that. <laughs> that means he can't pronounce the word. I don't want to insult everyone. By, by, by mispronouncing pronounce, pronounce, it? <laughs> I won't pronounce it none. All right. So anyways, they also talk about the theories of what Bigfoot might be, right? And the first one is, we've already mentioned, he's an elusive pop primate, right? Yeah. It's like... A gorilla, and maybe he, like, you know, is related to this ancient gorilla that they found, not a gorilla, but a primate that they found, like, the teeth and the jawbones in, in China, called the Gigantopithecus Blackie. I can say the last part. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, they're like, ah, oh, you know, like, Sasquatch allegedly has a hands and a posable thumb so their thumb can bend and move their face is kind of flat allegedly and they have a big old brain they think but like that's just testimonial that's not like any science right and they all people also have said that sasquatch or bigfoot seems to have like a uh, sort of like a culture amongst itself witnesses and that they think you know maybe it's a primate or a primitive human or something like that and so that leads to the next one, which is like, ah, oh, maybe he's a like a prehistoric human that still exists, right? Like, um, and nobody really knows if that's true. And then they're like, well, wait, what if he's a spiritual being, right? Which is where Shawnee stops paying attention to us. Do you mean he goes to church every Sunday, <laughs> twice on Sundays and Wednesday night too? He takes communion. What? Oh my gosh. I wonder what he would be like. Would he be Christian? Hindu, Buddhist, Jewish, I think it'd be more one of the Muslim. more, you know, mellow ones like Hindu or Buddhist yeah, or something. Yeah, because he's all back to nature. Right. All right. So, like, um, or maybe he practices a Native American religion, maybe right? Maybe he's Wiccan. Yeah. Or, or Wiccan. Not that that's Native American. No. <laughs> but a lot of people, especially um, the indigenous people of Northern America, believe that, you know, Bigfoot is very indoctrinated, um, incorporated into some of their culture um, and history. And so they think that some of them, some nations think that it's a brother or the boss of the woods and protects nature from people who are shits. So then there's also <laughs> the theory that Bigfoot is an alien transplant, right? Yeah. Because people tend to see UFOs at the same time or close by, right? And, like, mm. they're like, hmm, maybe he's, like, planted here on purpose. That kind of um, lends itself to another theory, but we won't mention that. And then there's another theory that he's a shapeshifter, and that's why, or interdimensional, and that's why you can't find him. Like, he could turn into a rock or a stump or, like, kind of segue well, into Well, some Native portal. American belief is that they're shapeshifters, right? Um, well, there's some... There's stories about skinwalkers, yeah. but that's not exactly the same thing. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm not enough of a scholar about all the different, or any specifically, like, um, indigenous cultures right. in North America to say, oh, yeah, well, in Micmac, or, oh, well, in Navajo, or, oh, well, you know, like, I can't do that, so I don't no, know. No, we don't do that. Well, I just... I would be insulting because I would just be full of S-H-I-T. Acting like you knew. Yeah, 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 yeah you know, know. so That's I'm sorry I, mean. I don't yeah, know that. Yeah. 
Um, so, and then the final thing is it's, it's a ploy for attention, which is what one of my relatives say about any time I talk. You're just having a ploy for attention. You gotta go to the bathroom. That's a ploy for attention. Um, so, OregonBigfoot.com says the mass media often ridicules people and eyewitnesses who claim to have seen Sasquatch, and they're accused of making up stories to gain attention, of being drunk, on drugs, perpetuating hoaxes, or just lying. And you see that on Facebook groups too. People are really mean to each other over there. I'm sure they are. Um, Especially on social media. Yeah, um, and so it makes it really hard for a lot of people to tell their stories because no one wants to be treated that way. Not at all. No, right? So those are all the theories mm-hmm. currently about what Bigfoot might be, right? That is a lot of theories. And you got to keep those all in mind as we tell the story of Portlock, which is... A town in Alaska, once again, if you remember. Is that its real name? Well, wait. Oh. All right. So we're going to talk about Portlock and what kind of Bigfoot was it that was causing hell there. And a quick Wikipedia search actually tells you, um, and to be fair, the Wikipedia search on this town is actually has less words in it than my own Wikipedia entry, which is not. Really? Yeah, it's saying something. So um, Port Chatham goes by two names. Portlock or Port Chatham. And I just find Portlock more fun to say. <laughs> um, and almost all the Bigfoot people call it Portlock because it's probably scarier sounding, you know? Yes. Um, and why do they all talk about it? Because Bigfoot allegedly went all out on this town between 1900 and 1950. And like Bigfoot was like WWF right here. Like it was showing the residents, what the Bigfoot was cooking. Like, it was bad. So, oh, you're just trying to get another rock like on your Twitter, aren't you? I would. I don't know how to make that a tweet. But anyways, <laughs> people lived on the shore of the Kenai Peninsula, specifically Port Lock or Port Chatham, for hundreds of years. Miners, fishermen, Aleutians, Russians. And one day, this British guy sails to town, puts down his sexy mighty anchor in 1786 which seems really phallic once i say it and he gets the place named after him even though he was based he was actually not even like that close <laughs> he was on the cook inlet so he was vaguely in the area as alaska goes right yeah. and the guy's name was nathaniel portlock oh. yeah so that's how it got its name one of them and about round Move ahead a couple centuries, and it's around 1900, and a bunch of fishermen from the U.S. were like, Dude, this place is sweet. It's got calm waters. It's got a shit ton of fish. It's go time. Let's hang out. So they bring a fleet of boats in, and they make on that land the Portlock Cannery. It's tempting. It's beautiful. It smells like dead fish. What Bigfoot isn't going to like go down there? And put on his steak or her steak, right? And be like, yo, perfect. This is my spot. Yeah, man. It smells like dead fish. I got a food source. There's people to watch. (laughs) We can watch these idiots. You know, like, it might be fun. Yeah. So eventually, enough people come to the town where they get their own post office. What? I know. It's more than some of the towns in Maine where we live have. We don't all have our own post office. But then something may have happened. Man. Man. So the logger, Andrew Kamlick, starts off this tale. So back in 1931, there's a logger, 
Andrew Cam Luck. Notice the back half of his name, right? Cam Luck? Yeah. Anyways, he didn't have all that much luck. He dies from a smack to the back of his head. Right? Yes. And it's not a Rudy Giuliani smack at a Staten Island grocery store size smack, but it's a pretty big blow. And he dies. Okay. And everyone, all the facts agree about that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're all like, yeah, this logger, Andrew Cam, look, had no luck, and he died. But then the article, an article in the 2009 Homer Tribune comes out and tells the world that an unnamed miner went out looking for gold and he didn't return. And they link it to something else. They link it to this guy fishing. Tom Larson, who sees a big-ass, hairy, bipedal creature on the beach. And Tom, being smart, hauls his butt back home. He gets his rifle. He goes back. Maybe not smart. And apparently, this monster is still chilling out during all this, right? Yeah. And when Larson comes back with his rifle, he's like, yeah, never mind. I'm not going to kill that. So, at the same time, right after, some guys go after a moose. The moose they think has already been tracked by something else. Something with 18-inch footprints that looks like a person, but even better. They go to a place in the woods where it looks like a moose murder scene, like blood and guts and antler pieces, right? But the moose is gone. Damn it. Something <laughs> carried it off to munch or make jerky or something. You know, if it's that's Sasquatch. Jack Link's got something yeah, right there. Um, and then a whole butt ton of cannery workers, again, unnamed, go out hunting. They don't come back. But one returns mutilated. And like, he's like, everybody else was dead and torn apart. And he gets back via a stream that goes into town. And they're like, on here is terrifying right would be but all the sources are the anchorage daily news a story from 1973 and a book by john green not the fault in our stars young adult author john green um but john green another author and that book's called sasquatch and it was written in 1978 right yes um but the real source for all of this was a woman who was born in 1934 in Portlock, and her name is Melania Helen Keel. And um, she added some nice, nice details. She had names. She had said her parents said the reason they all left Portlock was because Bigfoot was attacking and terrorizing everyone, right? Crazy. And Darren Smith, you know, kept writing about this and wrote in the 2021 in the Anchorage Press. And everyone, not just Darren, it's like, oh, wow, we got a primary source. Mm-hmm. This is fantastic, sexy Bigfoot story. It's scary. It's awesome. There's death. Hooray. Um, so, But Darren wrote, there was a report of a mysterious death in 1931. A logger named Andrew Kamluck. It appeared he had been hit over the head with a huge piece of logging equipment something that a man could not have lifted and swung. When they found his body, there was blood on the crane, and he was a good ten feet from it. It looked as if something, someone or something picked it up and bonked him over the head and tossed the heavy piece of equipment aside. Hmm. In the 1940s, the events turned truly frightening. It is said that over the next 20 years, that up to three dozen grossly mangled bodies, three dozen, 
had turned up along trails, rivers, as well as floating out in the bay. These bodies were said to be, quote, completely mutilated and essentially torn to shreds, not resembling anything that a bear or a wolf could or would do. Cannery workers refused to come to work one season and were begged to return the following season with promises of armored guards protecting the camp around the clock. Hunters tracking moose would occasionally come across giant man-like tracks over 18 inches in length. One reports that while closing in upon a moose, there were steins of a struggle where the grass had been matted down, then only the deep tracks of a man-like animal departing toward the high, fog-shrouded mountains. In 1949, it is rumored that the locals grew sick and tired of living in fear of this terrorizing Sasquatch. So overnight, they fled the town completely, leaving behind all of their possessions. What could have caused them to leave such a beautiful area, the home of their ancestors, rich with sustainable resources? Could it be true? Could there really be a serial killer Sasquatch just a short hop from Anchorage? Right? So there were deaths. There were missing people. There was a ghost town. It was scary shit that Smith likens to a Scooby-Doo episode. (laughs) (laughs) Which is brilliant. But the only problem is that no newspaper stories back up those claims from the time. Like nothing about dismemberment, memberment, or three dozen missing guys. It's just one man who had an undetailed accident in 1920, right? Yes. The logger. And then two in the newspaper accounts. And then two guys who went on a dory hunting in 1917, Ben Sweezy and Bill Weaver. And they never made it back, but they weren't actually from Portlock, but Seward, which is about a thousand nautical miles away. So they left from Seward hunting? Yeah, they weren't. Yeah, they weren't anywhere near Portland. Oh, that doesn't even count. All right. So Darren Smith did some of his own boots on the ground reporting, talking to a blues guitarist and friend, Leo, who grew up in Nanwalik, which I'm sure I'm messing up saying. And this town is important. Because it's where the people of Portlock went to after their terrorizing times with that serial killer Sasquatch. Mm. And Leo's mom was Sally Ash. And her mom was born near Portlock. And she told Darren Smith, that Anchorage news reporter, our people were nomadic, went by the seasons. Whatever was in season, they moved from one place to another. They went through Port Chatham and Dogfish Bay and Seldovia and Homer and even to Kodiak. But she admitted to him, and this is a quote, Portlock was a kind of creepy place. They'd tell us, don't go out on a foggy day. That's when he's walking around. You could run into him, and you never know what he might do. (laughs) I feel like that's true about Shawnee in our own house. But it gets (laughs) really interesting. It gets really interesting because it turns out that Sally had translated for her cousin, Melania, Kel, when she was interviewed for that Homer Tribune article. And that article, again, is that big article. It's the believed article. It's a primary source article. It's circulated as absolute truth. And Melania, well, well, Sally translating, told the reporter, whose first name was Naomi, and I can't remember her last name right now, but she told her this, that... She was born on January 25th, 1934 in Port Chatham, Portlock, 
which was a small village founded at the edge of a peaceful moorage. The village once offered shelter for many people, including Captain Nathaniel Portlock's ship, maybe, on his 1786 Alaska expedition. But when she was a baby, her family abruptly moved away from Chatham, or Portlock, leaving the house and every board of its frame behind. What frightening situation caused John and Helen Romanoff to take their children and flee? We left our houses and the school and started all new here, Melania said in a recent interview, speaking in her traditional language through translator Sally Ash. There was plentiful land here for gardening and people. My parents built a house on the beach. What had frightened Melania's parents, the reporter asked, hadn't been a single event. Over a, quote, long period of time, Nantinuk, or big hairy creature, was reportedly terrorizing villagers, and Melania also told Melania, sorry, also told the spirit of a woman dressed in draping black clothes would come out of the cliffs. Her dress was so long she would drag it, she said. She had a very white face and would disappear back into the ship cliffs. And so then that reporter also recounts that Anchorage news story that says that Portlock began its existence sometime after the turn of the century as that Canada as a cannery town, right? 1921, there's a post office. Most of the people living there are Russian and loot. They live in peace, and it's like a picturesque mountain and sea setting. And according to the um, Anchorage Daily News story, sometime in the beginning years of World War II, rumors began to seep and that things weren't right in Portlock, um, that men would go to, missing. It's that same stuff, right? Mm-hmm. They go hunt the sheep. This one is like they went to hunt sheep and bear, not moose, and they wouldn't come back, right? And sometimes there would be stories about those mutilated bodies, right? Um, and this Homer News third source is from um, is a story that's also written as a blog comment on Strange State's website, which says, again verbatim, in 1990, while I was working as a paramedic in Anchorage, we got called out on an alarm for a man having a heart attack at the state jail in Eagle River. He was a native man in his 70s, and after I got him stabilized with IVs, O2, and cardiac drugs, my partner and I began to transport him to the native hospital in Anchorage. En route to the hospital, the paramedic and the native man, an allude from Port Graham, talked about hunting. The paramedic had been to Dogfish Bay and was once weathered in there. This man sat up on the gurney and grabbed me by the front of my shirt. He got right up to my face and said, Did it bother you? Well, with that question, my hair just stood up on the back of my head, and I said, Yes? <laughs> did, did you see it? was his next question. I said, No. Did you see it? He said, No, but my brother seen it. It chased him. Hmm. So, allegedly, in August of 1973, Ed and two others were bow hunting for boats, goats and black bear, and a storm forced them to take shelter in Dogfish Bay Lagoon. He said, quote, we beached our skiff and let the tide run her dry. After a dinner of broiled salmon, we turned into our net tent. Back in those days, the best tent I had was a dark green canvas job with a center pole and no windows or floor. We left the fire burning and cleared the pots and pans so as to not attract bears during the night and turned in, Ed wrote. So, the sky is nice, the wind's howling, right? It's old growth timber, right? And around 2 a.m., Dennis wakes up, Ed, because he hears something. It sounds like footsteps, he thinks, and it's right outside the tent, and it's not a bear. It doesn't sound like a bear. And 
and says that this walking or creeping happens over and over until it's like half circled the entire tent. And so there's still some light in the sky because it's August, right? Um, and they were afraid like about the next night. And he says, we had a flashlight and the rifle in the tent between us locked and loaded. I finally dozed off, but woke up right when Dennis squeezed my leg. Well, of course you would. The, <laughs> the illuminated hands of my watch showed it was 2.30. Joe was already sitting up and had the rifle in his hand. I heard an, the first step, not more than 10 feet from the back of the tent, slowly, then another, and another. Whatever it was, it sounded like it was walking on two feet and made the same semicircle around the tent. When we finally got enough courage to crawl out of the tent and turn the flashlight on, we saw nothing, no tracks, nothing. The third night, we decided if, decided if it bothered us again, we would come out of the tent shooting. We were actually scared and never came back the third night. And the following day, we had a break in the weather and got the heck out of there. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, whoa, right? Like, yeah. these are pretty good stories. But... Well, I mean, how do they know that wasn't a bear or something else? Standing on his two feet. People know that you know the difference in the sound of everyone in this house who walks on two feet. So, But I they think... said it was walking very slowly. Oh. If a four-legged animal is taking very slow steps, how are you going to differentiate? Still I don't know, one man. Foot I'm not time. a hunter nor a footprint step expert, you know? Yeah, and, and how can you hear footsteps without a print? I don't know. Unless they were on like is. a gravelly beach, you know what I mean? Yeah, it totally could be. All right, yeah. so anyways, ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Because there's always a but to stories, and here's the but in this story. Not a but with two T's, that's two. Too, too nice for us. Um, but with one one T. So things aren't that clear. Because Sally, the translator, right? Mm -hmm. Said told Darren Smith, my cousin, and this is a quote, my cousin Melania was being interviewed and we were sitting with her. She kind of made up a story because she was getting tired of people asking if this story is true. She made up the story about how Bigfoot was keep killing people. It wasn't true. Everybody knows that. But it was not our place to say any nothing, she said, but I think she means anything. <laughs> we all knew, but we just couldn't stop her. We brought up we were brought up in a way where we can't tell our elders they are wrong. And that was her story, Sally giggles. We knew it. That was me and my sisters and my cousins, and we all just sat there. We couldn't tell her, don't say that, because she might get mad at us. We were younger than her and we were not allowed in front of her to say anything like that. Melania knew, or Melania knew that we knew about her story that she made up, and we all had a laugh about it with her. <laughs> so when was this? That was the big Homer Daily News story that draws on a couple other sources right. that aren't really that credited, credible. It really relies on what she's saying. But when did Sally say she made it up? Recently. Oh, okay. To Darren Smith, I think. Okay. So, what really happened to Porlock? That's the question, right? And according to historical sources, Portlock actually lost its community because in the 1940s, Alaska's Route 1 was finally done and finished and completed, and that was on the other side of the peninsula. And over there, because they had this nice road, there were tons of work. Ships, nobody needed them anymore. You could get to the towns over on that side via the actual road, which is super cool. What? Yeah, and so <laughs> Sally said 
people would say like say that it was Bigfoot, but the real reason we moved away was because of the economy and schools and churches being built. There really was, she said, no killing of people. Hmm. As Smith writes that Sally believes that her cousin may have been implying, don't bother the area. This is where our connections are strong. Maybe she was grieving and still in pain for the lost old way that she grew up with up compared to how it became. I think she was doing this like, please do not disrespect us. So she made up a story. I got you. And it's kind of sad because, like, there's a whole TV show oh, about Portlock. Like, our own daughter's like, do you want to go there with me and go explore? It's supposed to be Bigfoot's there. And, like, I was like, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. And it's because of this reason, right? And because I knew more of the story. But, like, it's so sad. So Sally said, yeah, it belongs to all of us. That is where our culture is is that's where our people live there and we have ties there since we left a lot of boats have come in and just took stuff out old victrolas old books they just disappeared and now all we have are rotting buildings there empty buildings with graffiti on some of them when we go down we're not looking for things we go down because we want to feel there's people buried there we want to feel connected to them our ancestors are buried there. Part of me come from those people that are buried there. Right. And so, like, that's the whole, like, it's so interesting because I'm sure we're going to get a lot of crap on this podcast because people don't want to believe that so, there wasn't a serious killer Sasquatch there. So do you think people like Melania or, or Melania? Yeah. Um... Kind of made that story up to try to keep people from going there. I think she tried and, to. And disrespecting the area. Yeah. Or, or loot it or whatever yeah, was maybe, going on. Yeah, maybe, you know, and like so many different cultures around the world teach children about morals and ethics and safety. Via stories. Via stories, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, you know, you tell, uh, like, and we do it too. Like, we tell a story to our kid about something bad that happened to us or another person to try to keep them from doing that right. thing that could potentially give them harm, right? right. And, and, and so, in a way, that's an extension of that, like, hey, everybody... Don't there's a serial killer Bigfoot that ruined this entire town. Go go there. Exactly. And vandalize or pilfer shit from it. Um, but also at the same time, you could imagine maybe her parents being like, Don't go by the cliffs. Oh, for the same reason. Yeah, yeah. like there's a lady who uh, you know, and mm -hmm. once or even like in Scottish like or or you know, Western cultures, there's so many stories about people falling off cliffs and becoming ghosts or the ghost of the lady walking the cliff or the ghost know. of the lady on the side of the street, which is like everywhere. Yeah, but but the cliff ghost stories could be warning tales initially created for to, the danger of the cliffs. Yeah, yes. themselves or like little kids getting lost in the woods mm -hmm. and coming across grizzlies or kodiak bears or whatever or bad guys you know it's so all entwined right. that it all becomes history and then you're like well what is the truth and even when you have someone like sally say you know this is what the actual truth is here at least for this part of the story she made this up right or embellished it 
to try to for a really good reason not because she's a liar but just because she wants to keep people out of her space sally believes right mm -hmm. um and then people still don't want to believe that no they'd rather believe the tv show right which i can't talk about because i only watched two minutes of yeah, it was pretty bad. No, that's in Sean's opinion. That TV show was not the, his favorite show. There. Well, I mean, um, I really suspend disbelief a lot when we're watching TV, you know. Yeah. And then when I can't. Well, it's supposed to be a, reality. For more than a couple sort of minutes. Reality. A docudrama. A docudrama. Docudrama, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. It's hard to know. Um. Because there could be kernels of truth in those stories, right? Yeah. Um, the interpretation of those stories. And I don't know what it was like to live in um, Portlock between 1900 and 1920 or be before It was probably that. pretty darn harsh. Yeah, but maybe it was amazing. I mean, they did have a post office. But also, like, I don't know what could have lived there before then either like i'm not saying that oh, there wasn't could have lived there i'm not saying that there isn't a lady in the cliffs and i'm not saying that there wasn't a bigfoot there or still is i'm just saying that the facts here aren't backed up right no matter how much we might want them to be yep. but i personally don't want bigfoot to be a serial killer no definitely not yeah man Definitely not. You want him to be a nice mellow dude, right? Or do that. Do that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean it like that. I just meant being. Eating some dead fish, just chilling by the campfire, trying to figure out if people wanted to come hang out in their tent or not. <laughs> I'd share my dinner with Bigfoot. I would too. If I could stand the smell. You know what? And not lose my appetite. Oh, man. What? Yeah, that's true. I'd just give him my, cool, huh? all my food, honestly. I'd give Bigfoot everything. Why? Because he's Bigfoot. Yeah? And he's no. big. He probably needs more calories than I do. Well, I mean, if he looks emaciated, I'm going to give him a portion of my portion. <laughs> I'm not going to give him all my food. Oh, man. So I've thought of a couple of things during this podcast. Okay. Number one. Maybe we should have a maybe we should produce a, a Hallmark Christmas movie where we'll have to sell the Hallmark <laughs> no. about real people uh -huh. instead of the beautiful people. Like the, the the guy, the hero guy, could just have drive like a real ratty ass truck and drink Bud Light <laughs> and not really have any money. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> Is this you? Enough. <laughs> I think it'd be slightly yeah. overweight, maybe, you know, or extremely over, whatever, just real people with real feelings. Yeah. But the other thing was, if Bigfoot ever gets discovered, I was thinking it would be like a frozen body in a freezer oh. where somebody didn't want to reveal it because they were afraid of the government and all the attention. Oh. Like they did shoot it while they were hunting. And then they're like, oh no. But to make it more spectacular, I think the discovery should, like, the freezer's in, like, an abandoned building that somehow still has electricity. Oh, well, that's interesting. And it's being investigated by, like, Zach Baggins <laughs> from, like, Ghost Adventures. <laughs> and they get poor Aaron to empty, open the freezer. And there's a frozen Bigfoot cadaver. Yeah. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah, but where's the plot? What plot? Oh, the plot is that it's... More paranormal, and you know what I mean. It's, oh, all right. So it all ties in. And all the UFOs and the ghosts and Bigfoot and everything culminates in that episodic 
The end. That would be the end of Ghost Adventures right there. They wouldn't be able to suppress that. Hey, thank you for listening to Dude No. Please be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And tell all your friends what a goofy couple has this podcast and how good it is to listen to. Be kind. Be kind. Be kind. Yes. Thank you.